If you would this evening, grab a Bible or a New Testament and turn to Matthew, the 12th chapter. Matthew, the 12th chapter is where we're going to begin our study this evening. We're going to build upon what we talked about this morning and the importance of being a seeking being and fulfilling the purpose for which God designed us as being a creature with the ability to seek after and to long after the things of God so that we might understand and have the proper knowledge to apply the wisdom that He has revealed to us throughout our life. And we're going to build upon that and look at this passage in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 38, as Jesus is having a discussion with a group of individuals known as the scribes and the Pharisees. Starting there in verse 38, the Bible says, Then certain of the scribes of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return to my house from whence I came out, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also with this wicked generation. Jesus had very condemning words for these individuals. These words of Jesus are very strong, and he uses a couple of instances that we can find in the Old Testament to teach this idea of those that would rise up in judgment against the generation in which he was teaching at that time of those scribes and Pharisees. First of all, he talks about their desire for a sign. And they were sitting there with Jesus saying, just prove to us who you are. And by this time in Jesus' ministry and his life, he had revealed himself numerous times and showed the power that he had. And his point in using Jonah was saying, there's a sign that's going to come that's going to fulfill and show you exactly who I am. You just need to wait and have faith. And he said the only sign that would be given would be that of his death his burial in the grave for three days, and ultimately his resurrection from the dead. But then he makes mention of a woman known as the Queen of the South. And he said that this Queen of the South will rise up in judgment against this generation because she came from the southernmost parts of the world and sought after the wisdom of Solomon. And he said, Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. What Jesus is telling these scribes and Pharisees is, they haven't learned anything from their study of the Scriptures. For if they had learned anything, they would have recognized Jesus and the wisdom that was standing right in front of them. And Jesus uses this woman known as the Queen of the South to teach them the importance of longing and desiring after the wisdom of God. It's high praise from the Master that he would look at this woman that we can read of and study out of the Old Testament and say that she was pleasing to God for her desire to attain wisdom and knowledge that she was willing to travel and to do whatever she had to do to get the wisdom and knowledge that was necessary to fulfill her in her life. 
And he uses her as a great example to those scribes and Pharisees so that their eyes hopefully might be opened. And tonight I hope and pray that our eyes and our minds would be open to the Word of God. That as we strive to find wisdom and knowledge and understanding as we described this morning, that we understand sometimes there are sacrifices that we have to make of the things we might desire and want in life to attain the things that are truly important to God. And this woman certainly exemplified that idea. Go with me now, if I can get there, to 1 Kings chapter 10. And we're going to look at the account given here of the queen of the south, also known as the queen of Sheba. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 1 says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all the questions that there was, not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. Now understand that Solomon's fame had traveled throughout the entirety of that region of the world at that time. But this woman herself was a what? She was a queen. Just as the authority of Solomon is king over Israel and God's people, she had a kingdom. And she had everything that she probably could have desired. But there was something about Solomon that stood out to her. And what was that? It wasn't that she had heard of his fame, of his mighty armies, or the grand kingdom that he was establishing, but there was something concerning the name of the Lord. This woman had everything that she could have desired as a queen, yet she looked out and said, there's something that that guy Solomon has that I need to attain. There's something there that's important enough that I need to leave my home and my kingdom and travel. We're going to talk about how far in order to attain this wisdom and understand something about the Lord. That's commendable, isn't it? You and I struggle sometimes to come to a building a few times a week in our comfortable vehicles that provide air conditioning on our drive over to come sit in comfortable pews in a comfortable setting to hear the Word of God taught, yet this woman was willing to cross the desert and to leave her kingdom of comfort where she had all her needs met because there was something there that was important for her to learn. What was it that she wanted to know? Well, she sought after the wisdom that Solomon had desired to have from God. Now, if you remember back earlier in 1 Kings chapter 3, God granted Solomon anything that he desired. And he told Solomon, whatever you ask, I will give to you. And there in 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning of verse 11... The Bible says, And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I've also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. You see, Solomon made a wise decision pertaining to his relationship with his Creator. His Creator, his God, came to him and said, What is it that you would that I would give to you? He could have asked for a long life. He could have asked for a prosperous kingdom and reign over God's people. But he desired wisdom. We would say, that's a good choice. 
That's a good decision. And Solomon was blessed in that because not only did God provide wisdom, but he also provided a strong and mighty kingdom. He provided him riches. He provided him everything else that possibly man could desire to have. Solomon had. Now Solomon didn't always exercise that wisdom appropriately, and you can read through Ecclesiastes and his experiences of the things he tried that were of the world to find fulfillment, and at the end of all those things, he comes to the conclusion that it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. And he says the whole duty of man, he sums it up, is to fear God and keep his commandments. And you and I can learn from that wisdom that Solomon applied to his life today. And I bet this was the type of wisdom that this woman from Sheba was desiring to learn about from Solomon. We talked this morning about the importance of getting wisdom. Again, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5, he says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. We talked about this passage this morning, James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Though we may not have to cross miles and miles across the desert sands to attain the wisdom and knowledge of God today, God still rewards a heart who truly seeks after his wisdom. And as we seek after his knowledge and his understanding and his wisdom, we receive the benefits just as this queen is going to receive from her encounter with Solomon. There are three things I want us to learn from this queen this evening. First of all, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 6 and 7, in that account of her encounter with Solomon... Says, and she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. See, she had heard the rumors. She had heard the tales of this great kingdom and this wise king and this man Solomon who seemed to know more about the Lord than anybody. But until she came and encountered Solomon, all that was was a story and a rumor. But as she talked and discussed with Solomon and asked him questions, she came to ask him questions and to attain that knowledge, she began to understand. And the first thing I want us to learn about her is you and I need to look around. And what do I mean by that? We can't be so content with our state of life, even our relationship that we have today with God, that we don't say there's something else out there that I can learn. We can't exhaust the Word of God. I don't care how many times you read the same passage as you study as a good Bible student, as you turn those pages that you've turned countless times and you've read passage after passage of the same thing you've read, there's something else that will stick out to you. Because rarely are we at the same stage of life and the same circumstances every single time we open up the Word of God. This woman wasn't comfortable with her own kingdom. This woman wasn't comfortable knowing what she knew. Certainly, she was probably a wise woman in the eyes of her people. She wasn't comfortable in everything that she had been able to attain for herself, for she longed for something more. I want to encourage us today that we look around us and we find people who are successfully serving God and we seek wisdom from them. 
Certainly all wisdom that's worth having comes from the Word of God, but you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ can look at other individuals in the Lord's church and say, you know what, that person is a strong Christian. That person has raised a family successfully in the church. That person is a godly man or a godly woman, and they probably have some insight that would be valuable to assist me as I'm growing and learning to be a servant of God. But if we're not humble enough to admit that we might need help or might need to look up to others in the church, we find ourselves isolated and unwilling to learn, unwilling to seek, and unwilling to grow in our relationship with Christ. This woman was willing to look around. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul makes a very brief statement that is very profound. He says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You understand the importance of that? Now, the Apostle Paul was not bragging. He was not being boastful and arrogant of his relationship with Christ. What he was saying is, as you observe me obeying the will of God and serving Christ, guess what? You do the same things. Paul was not perfect. And in some of the things that Paul had done, Paul would have said, don't do these things that I do. But he says, as I serve Christ, as I follow Christ, you do those same things. How many of us have had individuals in the church that we've looked up to and said, you know what? I know they serve Christ. And I know if I follow in their example, ultimately I'm going to have a stronger relationship with my Lord. That's important for us to have in the church. And oftentimes we point the finger to young people that you find people in the church that you can look up to as examples and follow in their lifestyle, in their conduct, in the way that they treat people, in the way that they study the Word of God, in the way that they teach the Word of God. But that's true of all of us. We all need good influences in our life that we can look around to that encourage us to continue to grow in our relationship with God. And if you're here tonight and you don't think you need any more growth spiritually... We need to talk after services. Because none of us have fully attained. The Apostle Paul himself said, I have not yet attained. He said, but I press forward, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And every one of us ought to have that desire in our heart that we're growing, we're getting better, and my life looks more like Jesus today than it did yesterday, but I'm never going to be perfect or complete until the return of Christ. But we need encouragement, don't we? Because sometimes we might have a bad day. Sometimes this world and the struggles of this life may press down upon us. And I need to be able to look at brothers and sisters who have navigated those difficulties successfully and maintain a strong faith in God even through the most difficult of trials. Because that's encouraging to me. I've seen individuals face their own mortality knowing that their time on this earth was about to end. And guess what? They faced it with strength and grace because they had a trust in God that we can learn from. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, Jesus said, The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Who's our teacher? Jesus is our instructor. He's our teacher. He's the one who came and paved the way for us to be reconciled to God. Is there anything in Jesus' life that we would look at and say, you know what, I don't want to emulate that? No. 
We would look at his life and say in every situation he handled himself in a way that would glorify God and that ought to be our desire. And if he's our teacher, then we have to be willing to be trained. And that training is a lifelong training. We don't hit a point where we say, I know everything I need to know. I can just kind of coast through the rest of my life with Christ. I can come sit on a pew on Sunday morning and Sunday nights every once in a while and some Wednesday nights and I'm okay. That's apathy. And apathy breeds laziness. And laziness, guess what? It will revert proper training over time. You see, our preparation for heaven is a lifelong training and pursuit. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and I tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. We need to mark and take note of individuals who are serving God and say, that's who I want to be like. Not because they're a great person, but because I know who they follow. I know who their instructor is. I know who they are a disciple of. And you and I need to make sure that we're good disciples and that we're good students so others might see our example and that we might be the lights that Jesus called us to be. But you and I still need to look around. Number two, we need to be willing to ask questions. This woman, as she came to Solomon, as she traveled from the south, she came to him and she had questions. I bet some of those questions in her mind were hard questions that Solomon was going to struggle to answer. But you know, the wisdom of God always provided the truth. And sometimes as we're growing as Christians, we have to ask questions. Well, where are we going to find the answers? There's one place we can all go to to find the answers. And if those answers aren't found in the Word of God, guess what? It's probably an answer that we don't need to know. And therefore, we have to live by faith. Those things that are revealed to us are revealed to us so that we might know those things, and those things are sufficient to bring us to a level of faith to have a proper relationship with God. But sometimes we spend so much time on these questions that really they're not going to have an answer in the Scriptures for, but we like to pontificate and have these discussions about these things that never really bring about any fruit. We'd be better off asking the questions. They're going to produce answers that ultimately impact the lives that we live. What are the questions I need to ask that would make me a stronger Christian? What are the questions I need to ask that will make me a better husband? What are the questions I need to ask that will make me a better, better father? What are the questions I need to ask that will make me a better brother in Christ? Those are the questions that we need to ask, and certainly those questions will be answered. There in 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 1, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And then down in verse 3, and Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. You know, Jesus often answered questions that were never even asked. Because <laughs> he could see what they were pondering in their heart, couldn't he? He knew the questions before they came out from their lips, and often he would always provide an answer for them. John chapter 7, and verse 15 says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Notice Jesus in his human form as he lived here on this earth, he maintained his humility in his relationship with God the Father. Did Jesus know the entirety of the Word? He was the Word. 
He was the Word made flesh. He knew those things perfectly, and as he taught, these people marveled. But what did Jesus do? He said, you know what? This isn't my doctrine. It's the one who sent me. Because he wanted them to understand the important fact of acknowledging God's doctrine and God's teachings and God's wisdoms. And when they are wisdom, wisdoms, I said wisdoms, wisdom, that when they sought answers to the things of life, they would go to God and find the answers that they need and that they desired. 2 Timothy chapter, th- chapter 3 and verse 15 Paul, discussing Timothy, says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, as Paul looked at Timothy, he saw a young man that knew the Holy Scriptures. How did he know the Holy Scriptures? Well, he had had a mother and grandmother who had instructed him. And certainly through his training and his growth spiritually, he had asked questions. Ask questions. Seek understanding. Young people need to look at older brethren in the church and say, Can I visit with you about something? Can you study this with me? Can you help me understand this passage? But a lot of times, guess what? We don't like to ask questions because if we ask questions, what's that say about us? That's admitting that we don't know something. And sometimes we're too prideful to ask the question because we don't want others to think we don't know something. The Word of God would call that foolishness. You and I need to be seekers asking questions. And I know we say there are never any dumb questions, and for the most part, I believe that. (laughs) There are no dumb questions, especially when it's in reference to the Word of God as we're trying to sincerely understand more about Him. But you have to be willing to seek and ask those questions just as this woman from the South did. Thirdly, this evening, you have to do whatever it takes to get the wisdom that's necessary for you to have a relationship with God. Sometimes there are things that stand in our way of attaining knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And a lot of times those are in our life because of decisions that we've made. We have created barriers in our life to the Word of God and not allowing it to truly come into our heart and we stop seeking and looking and desiring and all of a sudden, spiritually, we start suffering. Tonight, I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes for you to get the knowledge that's necessary. For you to understand more about God, for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, for you to be the type of servant and the disciple that He has called you to be. You know, this woman traveled a long ways. As Jesus referred to her in Matthew chapter 12 as the Queen of the South and... The account there we read in 1 Kings, we see that she was the queen of Sheba. Now, where is Sheba? Sheba is in modern-day Yemen, which is there south of Saudi Arabia. And this woman would have had to have traveled from Yemen all the way up to the kingdom of Israel. Now, a straight shot through the desert is 1,400 miles. I wanted to know how long that would take on camel. 
So guess what I did? I started doing some research. And I googled how far a normal camel in a camel train could travel in a day. You know what they said? 40 miles. So I did a little math. 1,400 miles at 40 miles a day, 35 days. And that's a straight shot. More than likely, she traveled kind of along the sea coast of the Red Sea, which would have made it a longer journey. But 35 days, this woman was willing to load up her camels and load them down with spices and gold and all the things that she was going to bring to this great man Solomon, travel across a desert because she wanted to know more about the Lord. When's the last time you traveled 1,400 miles to learn something about God? <laughs> that's pretty amazing, isn't it? But that's the kind of desire that Jesus identified and said she was willing to travel anywhere she had to go to seek the wisdom of Solomon, yet Jesus stands in front of us today and oftentimes we reject his wisdom and his knowledge. See, it's become too easy for us, hasn't it? How many Bibles do we have that sit around our homes and simply collect dust? How many Bible apps are available out there that at the few clicks of our phones we could be doing an in-depth study of the Word of God and yet oftentimes those apps sit there unupdated and unused altogether? When's the last time you truly made a sacrifice of your life so that you might attain some knowledge and wisdom that you thought would benefit you in your life? That's amazing to think about, isn't it? But I know people who drove 500 miles to watch a ball game. I know people who saved up thousands of dollars to go play in a tournament. I know people who saved up thousands of dollars to go on a choir trip or a band trip. Nothing wrong with those things. But we can't drive an hour to go visit a gospel meeting. <laughs> Where we know the Word of God is going to be taught. Where we might gain some understanding, some knowledge, and some wisdom that would benefit us. Or I can't get out of the easy chair on Wednesday night because the ball game's on and I've had a hard day at work and I can't get up and go to the services of the church. Yet this woman went across a desert for 35 days to learn something that she had just heard about pertaining to the Lord. It's pretty amazing to think about, isn't it? We're very blessed. But in those blessings... Let us not become so content and comfortable that we forget our deep need for the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And this woman went to great lengths to learn something about her Creator. Sometimes we have to leave other things behind to gain the knowledge that's necessary to please God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God 
by faith. The Apostle Paul left his prominence, he left his stature, he left his notoriety, he left his power, he left his control, he left his riches, he left everything that he had set up in his life where he could have been comfortable forever. But after that encounter with Jesus, everything changed. And he said, none of that matters anymore. Because the only thing that matters is my relationship with my Lord. And how often do we create situations where other things impede upon that relationship and we create those things? Leave those things behind. He said there's going to come a day where we're going to be rewarded for our faith. Do you look forward to heaven? You know heaven's a real place. God promised that those who are faithful at His return will enter into that place. And those who have died in the Lord will be resurrected and will have an eternal place of bliss and joy with Him forever. Is there anything in this life that's worth allowing to keep you from that reward? I'd say not. And whatever it is that's impeding upon your growth spiritually, get it out of your life. It may be relationships. It may be an environment that's not conducive to your growth spiritually. It may be a job or a career. Whatever it is, it's not worth losing your soul over. And Paul came to that understanding as he met Jesus on that road to Damascus. From that point on, everything in his life that he had previously, he said, it's not worth having if it's going to cause me to be separated from my Lord. Do whatever it takes to gain the knowledge and understanding that's necessary for you to have a relationship with God. In Mark chapter 2, we read of a gentleman that was in dire straits. A man who was desperate and had no real power of his own. But he had four friends who cared deeply for him. And those friends sought to get him to where he needed to be. Those friends knew where Jesus was and understood that the only hope that this friend has is if he comes into the presence of Jesus. And they weren't allowing anything to stand in their way. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, to have friends like that. That would see the dire necessity of your need for Jesus Christ. And would not let anything stand in their way of getting you where you need to be so that you can have an encounter with Him. They could have come to that house that day and seen the press of the crowd and the great number of people and said, you know what, today's just not your day. Let's try again tomorrow. That man of the palsy could have been embarrassed by his situation and said, no, 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 don't carry me, just leave me here, there's no hope for me. 
But all of the judgments of men and all the obstacles that stood in their way, as they lifted him up on the roof and tore apart the roof to lower him down into the presence of the Son of God, they said, nothing's going to stop us. And tonight, we can't let anything stop us from getting to Christ. You know, Christ isn't far away from us. God's not some distant, ethereal idea that's just floating out there. He's here. He's accessible and attainable. And as we study His Word, we understand more about Him and through our obedience to that faith and our obedience in baptism, we understand His Spirit can dwell in us. We can crucify our life so that the life of Christ may live on in us as His people. What's keeping you from embracing that type of dedicated discipleship tonight? What is it that's keeping you back and holding you back in that relationship that God says He wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour blessings out into your life with? Whatever it is, you need to do whatever it takes to get that out of your life and come to Jesus. And I believe you have friends and loved ones here tonight that would help you with that that would be willing to carry you on a bed and take you wherever you need to go if it meant getting you in contact with the blood that could wash away and cleanse your sins. You know, tonight, if the Word of God instructed us to do anything to obtain salvation, we could understand that and we'd be willing to do that. If the Word of God told me to go stand in that corner on my head for ten minutes, then guess what? I need brethren, but y'all come help me stand on my head for ten minutes if that's what the Word of God said. The Word of God doesn't teach that. But it does teach us what's necessary for salvation. It teaches us what we have to do and what we have to desire. Because one day there's going to be a judgment that comes. That Queen of the South was going to rise up in judgment against that generation at that time and tonight I want to ask you a simple question as we begin to close is what's stopping you do you know what the word of God instructs you to do to be saved you know we talked about that this morning that's knowledge do you know what the Bible says about salvation we could look at passages that such as Romans 10 and verse 17 that says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to hear the Word of God, don't you? We could look at Jesus' teaching in John chapter 8 and verse 24 where He commanded them to believe in Him, and if they didn't, they would die in their sins. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe that He was the Son of God, that He came to this earth, that He died on the cross, that He was buried, and three days later He was resurrected from the dead. You have to believe that with all your heart. You've got to be willing to repent of your sins. We know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, Jesus said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We know repentance is a command of Jesus. You have to be willing to confess Him, not a one-time audible confession before men, but by a lifestyle that confesses Him to this world. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. None of us wants to be denied by Christ on the day of judgment. Then we better confess him with our life here. 
We could look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 on the day of Pentecost as the first gospel sermon is preached and 3,000 souls were added to the church or added to the kingdom and 3,000 souls were saved and enjoyed the great salvation that could be found in Jesus Christ. As Peter gave the command to them to repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We could look at all those passages and say, that's a lot of information, that's a lot of knowledge. Do you understand it? See, those aren't just passages that we memorize to quote, but they ought to be understood in our hearts and the importance of those things every single day. And tonight, if you've not obeyed those things, you need to understand the importance of that and apply those and make a wise decision tonight based upon the Word of God and your conviction and be baptized into Jesus. Baptized into His death, taking part in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Are you willing to lose everything? Are you willing to give it all up for Jesus? Because that's what Jesus commands. Jesus was very plain in His teaching about what it took to be a child of God and what it took to be a disciple. And He said it's not for half-hearted individuals. It's for people who are truly going to dedicate themselves and count the cost and say, you know what, I'm going to endure and I'm going to walk and I'm going to obey and I'm going to be faithful until death. Can you make that kind of commitment tonight? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. What Jesus is saying there is he talks about taking up his cross. He's not saying you just pick whatever burden of your life and say that's your cross to bear and just go through life bearing that cross. That's not the cross Jesus is talking about there. You know what cross Jesus is talking about? He's talking about the same cross he was going to go and be crucified to. He says, are you really, are you really willing? Do you really love me more than anything? And you're really willing to pick up a cross and go die with me? Are you really that committed? I'll tell you, that's what Jesus demands. That can be difficult to swallow, can it? But that's the kind of dedication God wants to see from us as His children. And if you're willing to be that dedicated to Him and lose your life and give everything up for Him, there's nothing you're going to lose that He won't repay. And in the world to come, you have eternal life. What a promise. And what a great hope that we have as God's people. You see, tonight it all begins with Jesus. And just as that woman of the South was willing to do whatever it took, she was willing to ask questions. She was willing to look around and find knowledge that was necessary for her to know more about God. Tonight, if we'll do whatever it takes, we'll look around us for the answers, and we'll ask the questions that will lead to eternal life. Jesus is at the answer of every one of those questions. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ there are blessings. In Christ there is hope. In Christ there is a promise of an eternity with God.
outside of Christ, there's nothing. Tonight, if you need to be in Christ, there's one thing you can do to ensure that you are. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You can be made new tonight. But you've got to seek the wisdom from the right place. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, make that decision tonight. It'll be the wisest decision you ever make. And it'll be based upon your knowledge and your understanding of God's will for you in your life. And if you would take that simple act of obedience and you would do it seriously tonight, God would bless you forever. Maybe you've done that, but you know you haven't been the faithful servant that you needed to be. Maybe you've stopped seeking. Maybe you've lost your desire to do whatever it takes to grow or to know more about God and you know you've not been the brother or sister in Christ that you need to be, there is great restoration in Jesus. Tonight you have an advocate. I have an advocate with the Father. And through Jesus Christ we can pray and we can have those thoughts and intents of our hearts forgiven. We can be restored. We can be renewed. And we can regain what once was lost. Let God help you this evening. The invitation is not mine. It is not the invitation of this congregation. It is the invitation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is inviting you to be one with Him. If you need to do that tonight, we're going to sing an invitation song. During that song, come and have a seat on the front as together we stand and sing.